0: Matthew six says this, and when you pray, do not need empty phrases that the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this: our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Let's pray. Holy Father, we ask that through your Son and by your Spirit, you'll be with the preacher, and you'll be with those who are listening. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> well, last time we considered the Lord's Prayer, we are at... Verse 11, which is the fourth petition that says, give us this day our daily bread. And it's interesting <clears throat> because the fourth petition, we would think, would come after the fifth petition, which says, and forgive us our debts. Now, these two petitions, verses 11 and 12, are Meant to be not separated, uh, but they're meant to be joined together. Just as the body itself or the human person. We are body and soul. And the great tragedy of the fall is because of Adam's sin, now the soul leaves the body. We are now a subset of what it means to be human at death. We weren't meant to be separated. So here we see in these two petitions, the fourth and the fifth petition, when the Lord says, Give us this day our daily bread, we are praying that God would help us with respect to the body. And then when God, or when Christ says that we are to pray to forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors, then we are focusing now on the soul. You see that? Verse 11, again, Give us this day our daily bread. God, help me for what I need concerning the body. But now Christ gets to the soul. Just as we need food, we also need to be forgiven. We live in a time... Been like this for a while now where many focus merely on the body. On how they look, how much weight they can lose. But do people really consider their soul? And how healthy one's soul is? I mean, there are many people who outside look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) But inside, they're dying. And we know that if one who may look like the Hulk, but is not united to Christ by faith, then their spiritual soul is unhealthy. Their soul is unhealthy. So this morning, saints, As we considered the body last time we were together in the Lord's Prayer, we would now, this morning, consider the soul. What does it mean to have a healthy soul? What does it mean for us to have healthy souls? And our Lord tells us in our petition this morning, forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. This morning, I just have one point for us to consider, and that is, A prayer for God to pardon our sins. A prayer to God to pardon our sins. Saints, what are the marks of a Christian's faith? What are the marks of a Christian's faith? In other words, what are some of the characteristics of a true believer in Christ? Where if there was a room full of people... We can spot out the Christian. Well, one can say that true believers love God and love their neighbor as themselves. Jesus said in Matthew 22 that these two great commandments sum up the law of God. Secondly, we can say that true believers join the local church. And there's many of Bible proof texts that I can give for church membership. One can say how one talks and how one acts and thinks. And there's many things that we can list that mark out a true believer of Christ. But for our consideration this morning, we can say that one mark of a true believer is repentance. One mark of a true believer in Christ is Repentance. It's fitting that uh, I quote this man given yesterday. Martin Luther has said, when our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said repent, he intended that the entire life of believers should be repentance. So repentance is not just a one-time event. The moment when you realize that you have sinned in Adam You are guilty before holy God, and you need to repent of your sins. But rather, according to Luther, repentance is an everyday thing. The Christian life is to live at the foot of the mercy seat of God. Just as beggars plead for money, we are to be as beggars of God's grace. And as we come this morning to the fifth petition of the Lord's Prayer, we see the very lifeblood of the Christian life. This is how the Christian life is sustained, by daily repentance. Jesus says at verse 12 of our text, And forgive us our debts. And forgive us our debts. And in this line, saints, there's two things I want us to note. We can say that there's two essential truths of the Christian faith that's being implied here. That Christ is not explicitly saying, but he's implying it by these words, forgive us our debts. The first thing that's implied is this, Christian sin. The first thing that's implied without Christ saying it is this, Christian's sin.
1: By us asking
0: God to forgive our debts, it implies that we have sinned against God. And friends, this is the reality that was brought about by Adam's sin in the garden. This is the dark truth of humanity, is it not? Each and every one of us are sinners. And friends, it's important to note that we aren't sinners first and foremost because of our actual sins. But rather, we are sinners because of Adam's sin imputed to us. That is why you are a sinner. That is why that is how, actually, you get away with a baby being born and someone saying they're innocent. For no one is innocent. And friends, you might say, well... I'm saved now. Adam's sin is no longer a credit to my account. I'm not imputed with Adam's sin. I'm no longer under the guilt of Adam's sin. And if you are saved this morning, you are right. You are no longer under the guilt of Adam's sin. It is true that Christians have been clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Amen. It is true that the Christian has been declared innocent before holy God on the account of Jesus Christ. And yes, it is true that God no longer sees us as criminals, but he sees us as adopted sons and daughters in the beloved, in Christ. That is true. But the fact still remains, brothers and sisters. We still sin. Amen to those gospel truths. But we still sin. And on this side of glory, we will continue to sin. James 3.2 says, we all stumble in many ways. 1 John 1.8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Each and every one of us, in spite of God declaring That we are innocent. We still sin. And in our text this morning, notice the way Christ describes our sin. He says, forgive us our debts. Did you catch that? The way he describes sin, it's debts. Not just debt. Debts. Plural. More than one. Sin here is ascribed as a debt to God. That is to say, when we sin, the moment we sin, not merely saints, in action, but in thought. When we sin, we are piling up, we are accumulating a debt against holy God. And saints, when I say accumulating a debt, we must not bring our own definition of what a debt is into this context it's not a debt that's in the hundreds or thousands that's maybe in the millions or trillions but it's an infinite debt why because you've offended an infinite god this debt is not like the debt that we accumulate with credit card companies maybe we can lower the apr a little bit There's no payment that we can make to satisfy the justice of God when we sin against the God, against God. There is no way for us to clear our name and to bring us back into a positive balance when we sin against God. I want you to feel the weight of this saints, that when we sin, there is nothing that we can do to please God. To forgive us. This is what sin does, friends. Sin creates a debt to God that is impossible for us to satisfy. Impossible. And brothers and sisters, I don't know what your view of sin is this morning, but this is how we are to think of sin. And the reason I say that is in our own sinful thinking, we can minimize sin. Can't we? In fact, often we tend to minimize sin. We can be like Roman Catholics and put sin into categories. There's venial sins, lesser sins. There's mortal sins, those sins that remove the justifying grace of God from the believer. Or we can think like the world where sin is just merely a mistake. That's all it is. You haven't offended a holy God. You've maybe offended someone else, but not God. God. But the Bible says any sin and all sin is an offense to God. There are no venial sins and mortal sins. They're all mortal sins. They all are offensive to God. And because sin is such an offense, and because sin creates a debt to God, This fifth petition can't be under or overstated. We all need to ask for forgiveness from God. This petition teaches us a truth that we all know too well, that all Christians sin. I don't need to give you a theological treatise on this, for you know from personal experience that all Christians sin. But as sad as this reality is, saints, there is a great joy in this ugly truth, is there not? There is something wonderful about this line in the fifth petition. Although it implies that all Christians sin, this petition or this line also implies that we have a great God who forgives sin. That's the great joy in this ugly truth that yes, we sin but we also have a great God who is ready and willing and able and has promised to forgive our sins. This is the great comfort of the Christian, is it not? This is, as Spurgeon would say often, is the, the sweet pillow where we rest our head at night. God has parted my sin. There are many attributes that the Bible describes to God. In Malachi chapter 3, he's an unchanging God. In Isaiah 6, he's holy, holy, holy. In Ezekiel's vision in Ezekiel chapter 1, he's a glorious God. In 1 John 4, he's a loving God. And here in Matthew 6, God is a forgiving God. But saints, what do we mean when we pray for God to forgive our sins? What do we mean when we ask God, forgive me of my sin? What does that mean? Well, firstly, to forgive sin means for God to take away iniquity. Psalm 51.9 says, hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquities. Here, sin is likened to a man who carries a heavy burden, and this heavy burden is about to sink him. He's going down, and he continues to go down, and as he gets to a point where he he cannot bring himself up, there comes another and lifts the burden from his back. That's what it means to take away iniquity. And when God forgives, he lifts the burdens of sin from us. He lifts the weight of sin from us. Secondly, for God to forgive sin means for God to blot out our sin. Blot out our sin. Isaiah 43, 25, I am he who blots out your transgressions. To blot out means for God to wipe out. It means for God to destroy our sins. And saints, isn't this what we were asking God to do when we ask for forgiveness? God, destroy, wipe away my sins. Thirdly, for God to forgive sin means for God to scatter our sins as a cloud. Isaiah 44, I have blotted out your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like mist. Return to me for I have redeemed you. Here, sin is a likened to a cloud. If you've lived here for long enough, so you know what it means to be in a thick, dense fog or cloud. And this cloud of sin that's so dense and so thick that you, you can't even see beyond can only be separated by the light of God's grace. And, saints, when we ask for forgiveness, we are asking God to break through and remove the dark clouds of sin. To remove the barrier between us and holy God so that we can see God more clearly. Isn't that true when you sin? You feel like you're so distant from God that you can't see Him. And when God forgives, He breaks those clouds. And restores our communion with Him. And lastly, to forgive sin is for God to cast our sins into the depths of the sea. Micah 7:19. And He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. In forgiveness, saints. We are asking God simply to bury our sin out of plain sight. Bury it. We are praying that God will be true to one of the great promises that he made to those who have faith in Jesus Christ in the new covenant. Which he says in Hebrews 8.12. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities. And what's the great promise? And I will remember their sins no more. Isn't that the great promise of the New Covenant, saints? Isn't that what union with Christ means? That I will be merciful to my people and I will remember their sins no more. Saints, what this truth tells us is that God is so unlike us. Haven't you discovered that already in your Christian walk? That God is so beyond who we are. And that's why when we say that God forgives us. We aren't to think that he forgives us. In the same way that we forgive others. But just a little bit better. You see because we live by a motto. That I forgive you. But I'll never forget. A lot of times we don't forgive with the whole heart. There's, there's still something there. That will ignite, that will turn on our hatred toward you and then our forgiveness toward you would be no more. But saints, God doesn't forgive, but never forget. But when God forgives, he forgets. God forgives with the whole heart. He doesn't forgive. But never forget, but he forgives and always forgets. In light of such forgiveness as offered, saints, the great question that we must ask is this. Why should God forgive us? Why should God forgive us? In other words, what is the basis? What is the grounds of God's forgiveness toward us? What's the reason why God should forgive me? Now, there are many of us that might think, in order for God to forgive me, that I must be really sorrowful over my sin. That I must be truly, truly sorrowful and cut to the heart over my sin. And God will see how sorrowful I am, and he will forgive me based off of that. There are many of us, I think, well, I need to shed tears. <laughs> Am I asking forgiveness? I need to turn off the lights. I need to maybe candleize the room. some s- music, Kurt Franklin, whatever needs to be playing in the background. <laughs> and I need to shed tears. I need to be on my knees. My face needs to be on the ground. And when God sees that, He will see my tears, He will see my, my hurting, and, and based off of that, He'll forgive me. There's some that think that I first must prove to God, and also prove to myself, that I can do better. I committed the sin, now let me go two weeks of not committing that sin, and then after going two weeks of not committing that sin, then I'll go to God and ask for forgiveness. And he'll, he'll see my track record. I got two weeks of getting straight A's. I've proved to myself that I can really do it. And I'll go to God and he'll forgive me. There are many Christians who think these things, saints. I used to think many of these things. That God would truly know that I'm repentant based off of something that I did. You see, saints, that's the problem with, with these things here. That you're making the basis. You're making the grounds of God's forgiveness entirely upon yourself. You're making the grounds and the basis. And notice what I'm saying here. I'm not saying don't do these things, but you're making the grounds of, of God's forgiveness based upon your crying. God, see me. Look, I'm crying. Forgive me. Of your sorrow and how cut to the heart you are. God, look how much I'm hurting. Forgive me. Your list of going two weeks Of not doing the sin. God, look. I did good for two weeks. Forgive me. In other words, saints, the reason why God should forgive you is because of something good that you have done. Namely, your repentance. Now, let me. If we don't, saints. If we don't view salvation in this manner, then why would we view repentance in this manner? And what I mean by this. This type of repentance, God, look what I'm doing Forgive me. That's a man-centered, works-based way of viewing repentance. Look what I'm doing, God. Repent or forgive me. And like I said, if we don't view salvation in that manner, if we don't think that we can earn, merit the grace of God, then why would we think in repentance, by us doing something, we can earn and merit the grace of God? Think about us Saints. If your sin is a debt to God, if your sin is a debt to God, no matter how sincere you are, you cannot remove that debt based off your repentance. In other words, God doesn't look at the repentant sinner and say, oh, man, look at this. Look at this guy. He's crying. He's moping around. He's drowning in his sin. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to remove his debt. You're a creature. What can you offer to God in your repentance as a creature? You can't offer enough tears. Your heart can't be separated into a thousand pieces enough. You can't do enough to earn God's forgiveness in repentance. So back to the question, why should God forgive us? If it's not based on our repentance, if it's not based on our tears, our sorrow, or any of these things, then what's the basis of our repentance? The answer, saints, is Jesus Christ. You want to know why God should forgive you? Because of Jesus Christ. That is the only way you have your infinite debt removed. By Jesus Christ. The reason why God ought to forgive us of our sins is solely based off the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So in repentance, saints, when we ask God to forgive us, we are not asking God to forgive us because of our repentance. Look at me, God, I'm repenting. But we're asking God to forgive us on the account of Jesus Christ. Forgive me for the sake of Christ. Not for the sake of my tears and my sorrow. It is Jesus Christ, saints, who lived a life of perfect obedience to God for us. It was Jesus Christ, saints, who offered himself as a sacrifice before God for us. In his resurrection, he was raised to new life. And for our justification, Christ in his work of salvation removed the debt of sin that we owe to God. He did that in his once for all sacrifice. He removed the debt of sin, not our repentance. So what we do in repentance is we turn to Christ is only on the account of Jesus Christ, saints, not our tears, not our sorrow, where forgiveness is found. That is where forgiveness lies, saints. In Jesus Christ. That's how we think of salvation, right? We're saved by faith alone. But not faith merely in faith. As a concept, but faith in someone. Faith is never to be abstracted from the person. We have faith in Jesus Christ. So therefore, we are forgiven in Jesus Christ. So what do we do in repentance, saints? When we sin, what do we need to do? You need to believe the gospel. That's what you should do. Remind yourself and believe. Have faith. We need to ask God to forgive us on the basis of the blood of Jesus Christ. We need to plead to God. That we would find favor in his sight. Not because of how sorrowful we are. Not because of how many tears we have cried. But we believe in Jesus Christ. The only one who found favor in God's sight. It is only Jesus Christ who found favor in God's sight, is it not? Throughout his entire life, he is finding favor and God is, he is declaring his favor upon his son. This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. And on the cross, is it not the greatest act of love that the father or the son shows not merely for us, but for his father? On the cross, when Christ is there dying for our sins, as I've said many times, and Pastor Antonio has as well, it is the Father looking down on His Son with a smile, as a sacrifice is a pleasing aroma to God. What do we do, saints, in repentance? We plead that Christ's blood will cover our sins. And wash them away. If there's anything that you drown in. is not your tears and sorrow. But you drown. In the blood of Christ. That's what you swim in. Essentially. When we ask for forgiveness. We essentially say that on the account. And for the sake of your son. Father will you forgive me. For the sake of Jesus Christ, will you forgive me? I believe in his perfect life and death, in his glorious resurrection. Now, Father, will you forgive me? And since the father can't say no to his son, and there never was a time when he turned his face away from the son, then he'll never turn his face from you. But he will forgive you on the account of his son. So in summary, as we have seen, forgiveness is essential to the Christian life. Just as um, we have seen in the fourth petition, give us this day our daily bread, we are to pray to give us this day our daily forgiveness. And saints, when you ask for forgiveness, be sincere and sorrowful over your sin, no doubt. But don't think that your sorrow is the reason why God should forgive you. And don't leave Christ out of your repentance. Rather, believe in what Jesus Christ has done to remove your debt of sin. Believe it. Have faith. And pray that God will forgive us, not for anything in us, but because Jesus Christ has lived and died for me. Now, saints, how do we live in light of this petition? Well, there's two ways. We see this in the next line, do we not? Forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. How do we live in light of this petition? You forgive others. You've been forgiven. Now forgive others. Now, what that means is, at the moment when someone sins against you, If they don't ask for forgiveness right there and then. What you say in your heart is at that very moment, I am willing to forgive you. I know you haven't said it yet to me, but when you do, I'm here. And I'm ready to forgive you. And when I forgive you, it's not a, I won't forget. But I forgive you with the whole person. The whole being. Just as we have been forgiven of much, saints, we have to forgive others. But also, too, and lastly, I don't want to make this merely about ourselves. But I want to highlight the great God whom we serve. That we have a God who, when we sin, has decreed and promised to pardon our sin. Why? Because Jesus Christ and him alone. This is why, saints, when we pray to God, we are to be confident that he will forgive us. As we close, let's consider the words of the writer of the Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 through 16. Why should we come bold? Why should we, saints, have confidence that God will forgive us? Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is not able to sympathize with our weakness, but one in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help In time of need, let's pray.